0: Friends, as you've heard, uh, we start a new worship series this Sunday that's going to take us all the way through May and will end on Pentecost. And I'm delighted that you're here worshiping with us. Once again, my name is Mitchell Boone. I'm the senior pastor here at White Rock. And we're um, we're excited about this series for a number of reasons. One of them being we just kind of ended a series titled Encountering the Risen Christ where we're looking at Jesus' kind of post-resurrection encounters with his disciples are a reminder that we are to seek the risen Christ in our own lives for spiritual experiences that can help shape and form our faith. We move into another series focused on spirituality and how we can kind of refine and define our uh, relationship with God. And so the truth is, as mainline Protestants, we have a bit of a strained relationship with the Holy Spirit, right? We keep a good arm's distance between us and God's working in the world, especially through the work of the Spirit. Good social distance we have, I think, between, uh, between ourselves. And the Holy Spirit, because we definitely affirm the existence of the Holy Spirit, the third person in the Trinity, right? We have God, the Creator, the Father, God, the Son, God, uh, and then God in the form of the Spirit. But the truth is, um, we tend to appreciate order as good Protestants, reliability, process. As United Methodists, we really like good polity and structure. And the Spirit. Often uh, seems unconcerned with those things in our lives, and Holy Spirit doesn't really fit neatly into our boxes that we need <laughs> the Spirit to fit into. It doesn't always, Spirit doesn't always fit neatly into our liturgies, and certainly not into the plans we have for our own lives. Uh, I like to think of it like this: Eli and I we have someone who comes and cleans our house. Her name's Cindy. She's awesome. Uh, we really love having her. She comes twice a month and, um, she's far cheaper than uh, marriage counseling. And so it's like a good, it's a good thing for us to keep a clean home. And, um, that was really great before we had kids, but here's what happened. Like last week she came and and literally before the end of the day. So we were only in a clean, really clean home for like five hours. Cash, my three-year-old, had already made a whole mess of it. I blame it on Cash. It's probably all of us. I probably was guilty in this too. But I look around, and I'm like, oh my gosh, everything that was neatly uh, put away and everything that was clean, like, it's not that way anymore. And sometimes I think uh, if we're going to get into talking about the Holy Spirit, we have to realize that we too are going to have these experiences with God that's disruptive and messy, and chaotic. And as I kind of uh, think about this and, and the journey that we're going to be on um, for the next several weeks, it, it's important to realize that we fail, I think, because we keep the Holy Spirit uh, at arm's length away, um, we kind of fail to have a proper appreciation the third person of the Trinity. We, we fail to have a relationship with God through the activity of the Holy Spirit. that has a lot to do because we prefer head over heart or head and heart over chaos, right? But this series is going to invite us to kind of rethink our relationship with the Holy Spirit. To kind of, um, I think, highlight this point, I want you to imagine that you're, you're teaching Sunday school, Let's do it this way. In fact, there will be opportunities for you to teach Sunday school in 2021. So just uh, we need teachers for Sunday school. We're going to continue to need them. We're a growing church. You too can teach Sunday school and invest in our children's ministry. Just email Victoria. I know she would love to have you. So you're teaching Sunday school and you've got this really great idea for a lesson. You've got three blank sheets of paper. Each kid has them and you've given them a box of crayons how we say it normally, uh, crayons, and, um, and so you invite the children to draw a picture of God. Mm, they probably can figure something out, right? Chances are, you know, they're going to draw the first thing that pops into their heads, and typically that's going to be some variation of an old man. Who's white, who has a long beard. Now, that is not how we should portray God. It also highlights the fact that we have a lot of work to do with our children and ourselves around theology and good theology and how we envision God, but we can at least put something on paper, right? Even if it's the wrong answer. Uh, you, next, you're going to invite the children to draw God as Jesus, God the Son. You can probably figure that out. I would draw a dude, right, hippie looking. And uh, wearing a bathrobe, like the Big Lebowski or something, doing really amazing things, right? Something along those lines. But here's, I think, the trick you're going to ask those children to draw the Holy Spirit, and here's where everything just kind of <laughs> goes off the rails, so to speak. Because defining the Holy Spirit for us is a fairly complicated endeavor. We have so many images that we can draw upon, and yet it always feels like the Holy Spirit is kind of slipping through our hands when we try to really describe how the Spirit works and what the function of the Holy Spirit is. And so this worship series is really designed um, with this in mind. And, And here's my hope for us, right? After four weeks, we'll have a better understanding of the Holy Spirit. We'll be more comfortable and more willing to trust that the Holy Spirit is a part of our daily lives, and, uh, and to help us get there, uh, I'm going to take a very practical approach in my preaching over the next several weeks, because I think we need concrete things we can do, and concrete images of the Holy Spirit to help us kind of bring the Holy Spirit into focus so that we can live better Christian lives, that we can begin to flourish uh, because we are in tune with how God is working and moving in the world. And so there's no doubt, right, that the Holy Spirit is a strange concept because the Holy Spirit feels so whimsical and mystical, at least for some of us. But I want you to stick with me for the next four weeks because how we understand the Holy Spirit Really is significant for our own faith. Scripture mentions the Holy Spirit over four hundred times. It's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit of God, or God's Spirit, um, throughout both the Old Testament Hebrew Bible and the New Testament. And the images that are used in Scripture create all sorts of glimpses into how God is at work right here and right now in the world. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible right, the Holy Spirit is most often named God's Spirit. And this word that's translated as spirit is also translated as breath or wind ruach, right? And so what we have here is this idea that God's spirit is active and alive and moving in creation. In fact, the very first time we encounter this idea that God's spirit is moving is in the first verse of the first chapter of the first book in the Bible. And here's what Genesis 1-1 says. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. So we're going to hope and pray that this series puts a bit of form and structure around the great dark void of our own pneumatology. Pneumatology just meaning the study of the Holy Spirit. So to help us get there, we are going to rely on metaphors and images, not because they're simply uh, easier to understand, but because Scripture does the same for us. And so if we want a scriptural, biblical understanding of the Holy Spirit, we kind of have to think of the Spirit as having several functions in the world, because that's what we see in Scripture. So this week, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit being a guide, as Victoria talked about in our children's time, right? a guy, the, the Spirit being out in front of us or nudging us along, showing us the right path. Next week, we're going to talk about Holy Spirit as counselor, comforter. In three weeks, Phil's going to preach on the Holy Spirit as restorer or recreator. And then finally, we're going to end with the Holy Spirit being a catalyst for not only change within us, but also within our communities and our churches. But this week, or understanding the Holy Spirit or thinking about the Holy Spirit as guide. And I think that that's good for us to start here because I think that's the most common way we as a church talk about the Holy Spirit. It's what we pray for when we are in worship all the time, that the Holy Spirit guides us, right? That, that, that binds us together, that creates space for us to turn our own desires, right, into God's desires, essentially allowing us to align ourselves better and better to what God wishes for not only us as individuals, but for our churches and our communities, right? Keith just talked about how there's so much happening in the world that it can feel heavy. We often pray that God aligns, right, uh, our own actions with what God desires from us. And and so I think it's really important that we recognize that this concept of Holy Spirit being a guide is not not that new for each and every one of us. But the problem is we just don't do a good job of actually living into that reality. Right? I grew up with a version of Christianity that looked a lot like this version of Christianity since I was United Methodist from really birth to now, right? And and the truth is like we were pretty good with God and with Jesus, but the Holy Spirit right? We we're rather we're rather suspicious of the Holy Spirit because we're kind of buttoned up a little bit um, And the truth is that the Holy Spirit stuff we left that to the Pentecostals or the Assemblies of God, right? And 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 <laughs> we think about like the Holy Spirit only kind of really moving and acting in those spaces which gives us really no real experience of how to navigate <laughs> when God's Spirit shows up in our lives And the active presence of God that is moving and guiding and influencing us, let's call it this divine nudge, this movement, this feeling that God is helping direct our lives and where we go, right? That 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 is a challenge for us, especially because we usually prefer or place a high priority on truth being both verifiable Uh, And We're able to replicate it, right? That's why we you know, I'm a big science fan I like science. I trust science and the truth is I Find the Holy Spirit at times to be a bit methodical to this idea that there is um, Truth is only found in numbers and in things that can be proven so To kind of help us shake out of this understanding of the Holy Spirit or lack of understanding, we're really going to look at Scripture. There's three Scriptures I'm going to reference here. I'm going to do it fairly quickly. Um, But they all point to this idea that the Holy Spirit is indeed a guide in our life. The first is Matthew 3. Uh, Jesus is being baptized, and I'm going to start in verse 16. When Jesus had been baptized, just as he came out of the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led up by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Jesus is baptized. The Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus and then immediately invites him to go out into the wilderness, the desert, to be tempted by the devil. Now, I know what you're saying is, Mitchell, if the Holy Spirit descended on me like a dove and spoke so clearly to me, then I would have a little better understanding and relationship with the Holy Spirit. And I get that. But what we see here in Matthew is that even God's Son— needs the Holy Spirit's present in his life. In Acts, in the 8th chapter, Philip is uh, being faithful to his call, to God's call on his life, and we hear this, then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. Some connection between the Holy Spirit and the wilderness here. So he got up and went. Now there is an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home and seated in his chariot. And he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And then the Spirit said to Philip, Go over to his chariot and join it. Spirit guides Philip to act. Here in Acts 16, Paul, you know Paul, Paul's planting churches all over, all over the area, right? And so they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, and having been forbidden, forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, and when they had come opposite of Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Taurus. And during the night, Paul had a vision. There stood a man of Macedonia, pleading with him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when he had seen the vision, we immediately tried to cross over to Macedonia, being convinced that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. Here, the Holy Spirit is saying, don't do that. Uh, Don't do that either, right? Do this, do this thing. The examples I think point, really point us to something rather profound, that being that if we take scripture at its word, right, the Holy Spirit is active and present in our reality, in our lives. The Spirit is God's presence in the world that leads us towards God's desire for our own life. This isn't something that we just kind of pick apart or try to make sense of by cherry-picking specific verses. This is something that Jesus tells his disciples, right? Jesus is gathered with them on the last night that he's with them, and they're having a meal. And in John, we hear this. I still have many things to say to you, Jesus says in the 16th chapter, but you cannot bear them now. You're not going to understand them right now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own, but will speak with whatever He hears and will declare to you the things that are to come. The Spirit will glorify me, because He will take what is mine and declare it to you. There was a time in my life where I did not believe the Holy Spirit worked like this. Truthfully, I understood the Holy Spirit as a concept, but I had a hard time buying into this concept that, that God was active in the world, kind of guiding or directing my life as God saw fit. I thought it was all too convenient for uh, my you know, evangelical friends who seemed to always be able to hide behind this idea that the Spirit was leading me to say this or that or leading them to not act when, indeed, I feel like they should have acted. It just seemed odd that God would work in this way. But the truth is, I've really evolved on this over the past several years. And really, um, I had held a really undeveloped and simplistic view of the Holy Spirit and how God uses the Holy Spirit to guide us. I've really changed my tune here, and the real reason is because I've been in ministry with y'all for the past 10 years, right? This idea that the Holy Spirit is connecting and binding us together becomes more real every time I see you all and I experience what it means to be in community with you. It's not just coincidence that we're all here right now, right? Now, I'm not going to say that God is a puppeteer, but I will say that I think that God is moving in such ways that we can't help but find one another in community, tethered together for the work of the church and for the betterment of our own discipleship. Now, that's not to say that... you know, that we're going to get it right 100% of the time. That the Holy Spirit is so active and so present that we never make a mistake. That's not to say that I've ever heard God's voice in an audible, clear fashion where I don't question what I'm hearing or what I'm feeling, right? That doesn't mean that we aren't going to make mistakes and really miscalculate or misappropriate our own preferences for that of God. But I will say that I've to believe that the Holy Spirit is indeed guiding our lives and our work, right, is picking up on that and learning to listen to it learning to trust that God is indeed nudging us, wooing us, pushing us inviting us on a regular basis that work takes skill I'm not born with the ability to pick up on God's subtle acts in the world we have to train ourselves and learn how to pay attention to the nuanced ways that God is indeed still speaking. It's a skill that we can develop, though. And so the question really is not why does God choose to work in this way, but how do we align ourselves to the way God works? And the first way I think we do this is by saying, and by, by really becoming more open to the idea, right? I just told you like 10 years ago it was kind of a, a reality that I didn't really buy into. The truth is, if we don't believe that it's a possibility, if we do not believe that the Holy Spirit is indeed active, it will be hard for us to find the Holy Spirit in our own lives and in our community. Then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? That, that I don't believe in the Holy Spirit, then I can't experience the Holy Spirit, and then it just reinforces this idea that the Holy Spirit does not work in strange and beautiful ways and i think the the biggest os- obstacle to our ability to know knowing the spirit as guide is our own disbelief We have this notion that uh, truth is not (laughs) found in the whispers or the nudges that we experience. And so we have to at least shed that in some capacity. I'm not saying that you have to go from, you know, zero to 100 as quick as possible, but I am saying that unless you are open to the idea that God works in this way, chances are you will not experience the Holy Spirit as a guide in your life. But if we become open to it, just the possibility, then we have to make space for discernment and for listening and for silence, right? This is what Jesus does. Jesus is a big deal, doing a lot of things, has a lot going on, a lot of people pushing in on him. It's really busy. People are needing healing. People are needing to be raised from the dead. People need to be preached at and fed, and there's Pharisees and Sadducees to argue with. I mean, it's, it's busy busy three years of ministry for Jesus, and yet Jesus finds time in the midst of that to go away by himself to discern and listen for the Holy Spirit in his life. Now, if Jesus, who is God, still needs an experience with the Holy Spirit and can find time to go away and meditate and pray and sit then We should find the time ourselves to do it, right? The truth is we fill our lives up with really really busy calendars We've become hectic, right and we allow there to be very little margin for this experience with the Holy Spirit So the truth is if you're open to the idea Then you need to begin to create the space needed to have this experience with the Holy Spirit And then when you've created that space I think the, the role or the job that we have to get to is we have to practice good disciplines. Now, I'm not going to tell you what that is for you. I'm not going to say, like, this is a good way to communicate and, and get in touch with God, and this is a bad way. I mean, I have some preferences, and if you need some spiritual guidance on this, I'm sure I could offer a few opinions. But I know that we all experience God in, in unique ways. But the church... The capital C, in our own tradition, through John Wesley's kind of organizing of of Methodism, right? We know that there are things that do produce fruit and experiences with the Holy Spirit. That's prayer, regular prayer, right? Finding time to pray, being present in worship, confessing uh, our sin and recognizing that we are in need of God's grace, reading the scripture regularly studying and being in conversation with one another these are kind of foundational disciplines that if we begin to practice them we'll become more open and we'll create more space so that we can have a relationship with the holy spirit which is really important because it is hard to discern what is truth and what is not right we're on part of you all are watching on facebook right now after this, if you don't believe me, just hit your news feed, right? And just start scrolling, and you'll have all sorts of opinions about what is true and what is not true, right? The world is competing for us and our allegiance, right? And so it is very hard, and we get this in First John, right? Be careful that not, you don't fall prey to every spirit, right? That every claim about truth cannot be true, Right? And so we have to be really intentional about being open, creating space and then following discipline so that we can align ourselves or God can do the work necessary on our lives through the Holy Spirit to align our desire with God's. Then you know, maybe the most important part is just do it regularly, like daily. Like Philip was just going for a walk. Wasn't that complicated? Angel shows up, the Spirit of God shows up and says, "Hey Philip, why don't you take a walk?" Okay right and through that one yes philip has an encounter with the eunuch that results in not only scripture being explained but a baptism then there's like this amazing like disappearing act and then we have this story right now that we base so much of our theological understanding about all meaning all on just because philip decided to take a walk So think about it as this, like every day there's an opportunity to pay attention to where God is trying to direct you. If you just practice listening and then responding in the most simplest of ways, there will be opportunities for you to have really beautiful encounters with the divine. And then finally, it is learning to trust the community to help you do the discernment work. It is learning that the community, us here at White Rock, we can help you discern and gain insight and experience the divine through the Holy Spirit. And we do that in really simple ways, by just asking each other good questions, being willing to listen to one another, trying not to judge others when they tell us about their spiritual experiences, and being really committed to being present with people when they are struggling or trying to make difficult decisions or have really uh, strange or, um, you know, encounters, it is really important that we learn to be in relationship with one another. Um, I say that because it's been so easy for us to be disconnected. You all have done an incredible job about remaining somewhat tied together, but soon we're going to be back in here. We're going to be in this space as a community, and it is going to require that we learn to trust one another again, refoster, rekindle the relationships that we have with one another. And if we can do that well, then we can really allow the Holy Spirit to move freely in our midst. And I need you to help me do it, right? I need you to say, hey, Mitchell, that's where the Holy Spirit is, because I'm always preoccupied. Yeah, Eli asked my staff like I'm always preoccupied, right? So I need you to be like Mitchell you missed it, but the Holy Spirit's moving there And you need others to do the same But if we can commit To being open to it If we can commit To allowing ourselves the space needed The disciplines The regularity Of acting daily and we learn to trust our community, we can put into practice a pneumatology that makes sense for us in today's modern world, which will allow our church to continue to flourish and live out the mission that God has given us to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to those we encounter and transform our area of East Dallas. There is much work to do, and I can't wait for the rest of this series.